In what book will we take a look? Psalms. Which book of the Psalms? Second book. Second book, that's right. Because there are five books. We finished book one. So one through 41, and so 42 started book two. And today, we look Psalm 47. In your mind, you probably do some comparing. There are a lot of different ideas about worship. Basically, there are two forms of worship. Did you know that? They're, uh, they're multi-syllabic. There's a four-syllable word, liturgical. If you attend a place in which the services are liturgical, that means that whoever's conducting the services is not so much pointed this way, but pointed this away. <clears throat> Pardon the colloquial, but in that environment, you expected to sit down and shut up. And Billy walks in just as I say. Then I walk in, the preacher says, sit down and shut up. That was not directed at you, brother. <clears throat> but if anyone should ask you, what's it like on a Baptist church? Would you tell them it's liturgical? When's the last time I said, oh, I'm going to pretend you people aren't here? Yada, 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 yada. <laughs> you ever seen me do that? That doesn't fly. No, there's a five-syllable word. We are evangelical. You know what that means? Preacher looks you in the eye and says, here's what you need. It's what you want. This is what God requires of you. And you're not expected to, somebody else will walk in now, sit on a show. No. You're expected a lot more than to do what that hymnal's doing, just sit there. I think some people have the idea Church is the place, like we talked about in Sunday school. My religion is personal. Amen. And private. Private to the point that nobody else, they can look at me all day. And they wouldn't have a clue if I was a Baptist or a Buddhist. You're not the right kind of Baptist if that's how you practice your religion. Because if it is, it's a religion. It's not a lifestyle. Let's read these nine verses of Psalm 47. I could read it the way some people would like it read. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I don't think so. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God 
with the voice of triumph. This is kind of positive, doesn't it? Amen. For the Lord Most High is terrible. That word terrible does not mean bad. It means he's awesome. Awe-inspiring. You can't wrap your mind around God in His fullness, in His glory, in His greatness. You just don't have the mind for it. And I don't either. The Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great King over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. I told you there's four kinds of rains. What comes out of the cloud. What you got on the inside. We talked about that this morning. What a king does. And then there's me. This is what the king does. God reigneth <clears throat> over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. Now you know the Bible makes it clear. You can honor God all by yourself. If you are like the proverbial Robinson Crusoe, you would need a pipe organ to worship God. You would need a congregation to join and or to preach to to worship God. You can, you may, you ought to praise God. And you can do that just as much in your garden as you can in the church house. If your heart and mind are right. That doesn't let you off the hook. Oh, why do I need to go to church? You know, a lot of people think that way. I can worship God while I'm whipping the hook out of here. Well, in a sense, you can. But you have to ignore those scriptures and talk about how important it is to get together. How beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Some people don't like crowds because they can't find anybody that will agree with them. So they just go off and, me and God, we got a thing going on. <clears throat> but God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He wasn't just talking about marriage. Although there is a scripture, I believe the 68th Psalm, that says, he said at the solitary, in families. As a single man, I claim that verse a lot. I think I told the young lady about it once. 
And I think she decided, well, we better do something about that. Yeah, we did. Folks, I want you to know, we are made as social creatures. Now, if I haven't offended you yet, maybe this will. But I'm not a big fan of that song, The Garden. You know why? Okay. I better preface this because three more people came in. I'm not a big fan of the song, In the Garden. And I'm going to tell you why. Some people have the attitude, I love the Lord. What they might mean by that is, I hate people. God made you to be a social being. But in that song, In the Garden, He walks with me. Can He walk with anybody else? Hey, I'm talking about me here. He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. Nobody else is yours? Well, he tells me I am And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. When Abraham was walking before God, he didn't know what me and God got going on. When Joseph, when David, when the apostles, when Paul himself, they just didn't get like what I got. Me and God got a unique deal going on. You show me that in the Scripture. <coughs> now God made us <coughs> to declare. Who are you going to declare it to? God made us to share. Who are you going to share it with? <coughs> yes, He sets the solitary in families. But there is a, such a thing, I use the high church term, as corporate worship. Yes, you can. Yes, you ought to worship God between <coughs> temples. But that does not mean it's a frivolous thing. It's, it's an add-on. The Hebrew author says, don't be like those who forsake the assembling of themselves together. It might be they think, I don't need to be with those hypocrites. Let me tell you something. If you're afraid of joining a church because there are hypocrites there, you better keep on going. Because there'd be one more if you were to join them. I don't want to join an imperfect church. Well, you better not join a perfect church because suddenly it will not be perfect. Warts and all, God tells His people that they ought to come together. And when they come together, they ought to know that it's for the glory of God and for the good of them. <coughs> you're an encouragement to others when you're here. That's right. I used to be kind of shy about inviting people <laughs> to church. When I first started preaching, I said, well, usually the pastor preaches in the morning, not preaching in the evening. So I said, you got to come out next Sunday morning. I said, I'm kind of afraid that they go, you just want to come out so you can hear me preach. Whether I'm in the pulpit or in the pew, I ought to be in church. And when I got sick a couple of years ago, my family and friends, some of them knew about it, they came to see me, and I was not fit to be in church. I didn't have doctor's permission. 
I were providentially injured. But when I could, and I should, but I did, and it was good. And you know, it's true for all of us. If you can, then you ought. But how should you be when you come in this place? Listen, reverence is important. But it not, should not be so reverent that you can get in a good nap that nobody knows the difference. <clears throat> Different people have different styles, I know. One time my parents were experimenting and so they went to different places. And I went to a, well I won't mention the denomination, just named after Martin Luther. <laughs> I went, went to a place and the man spoke barely over whisper benefits of the microphone. And you didn't hear a thing except when the air conditioner came on. <clears throat> and one time, some poor fellow sitting about halfway back on this side cleared his throat. And I think every other head turned to stare at him like, how dare you interrupt our services. This is the house of God. But God can't handle somebody clearing their throat. <coughs> on the other hand, there are people who get really excited. I want to tell on you, sir. Okay. <laughs> well, it's okay if you're not. I have the floor right now. Now, was it your fifth or sixth grade graduation that they let you speak? Oh, it was the sixth grade graduation. Sixth grade graduation. You see, <clears throat> Andrew had been around us a lot, obviously, and he'd been in another Christian school setting, and things were, shall we say, subdued. And then we went to another context, and let's just say it wasn't subdued. And Andrew had the opportunity to give his speech to graduate in sixth grade. <clears throat> And you better be careful how you talk and walk and carry on around your own kids because that's a funny way of coming out. <laughs> and so Paul got up. Andrew. Andrew <laughs> only got two. He could get them right. He got up there. <clears throat> when I came to this school, I thought everybody else was crazy. <laughs> That is what you said. Uh, there was context. <laughs> <clears throat> and I have been in some places where folks really did get excited. I spoke in the chapel of that school. I think Paul was just a baby. And Marcia stayed home with Paul. And our friend Carolyn was a secretary. And chapel usually started soon after we took roll and usually got about 9.15, 9.20. And I spoke that morning. I finished in time. I did not go over. Yeah. This preacher can't keep it short. 
And so, <clears throat> I finished. But uh, let's just say folks got excited. <clears throat> and uh, we didn't get out till what was 12.15. And then one of those dear young students came over and said, Hey, Brother Reigns, when you preached, the Holy Spirit took over. Well, I believe the Spirit should be leading and guiding, but you want to make sure it's not the flesh. Now, I think the loudest services I've ever been in, I suspect Marshall's ever been in, was the Cummins Chapel. Folks, they make every Pentecostal on the outside that I've ever been around sound like Episcopalians. When they get up there and say, I am a friend of God! And they're not whispering. I think maybe they read this song. Now, we associate hand clapping with applause. We oh, that's worldly. We don't do that. Well, in the Hebrew world, they would clap <coughs> their hands together. And they would. Now, it's usually the men dance with the other men, and the women dance with the And they dance before the Lord. It wasn't a romantic thing. It was not an opportunity to do something untoward. <coughs> it was from the heart. Because the Lord touches your heart, He tends to touch your hands and your feet and your mouth. <coughs> and so <clears throat> this song encourages us maybe it convicts us just a little bit I got, how far was it to Alaska the pastor of the church he heard me preach on saying amen and they were with me about 90% of the way through the service until I say, you know, some people say, who should be saying amen? Well, it says, let all the people. Last time I checked, ladies were people. <coughs> we got quiet. Stone cold quiet. Now, well, the Bible says, let the women be silent in the church. How much singing would we have done in that song, if the women were silent, if Wendy didn't play the piano, Marsha didn't play the organ, and if the women didn't sing, <coughs> what did it sound like? Especially if you picked a song I don't know. We wouldn't be hearing a whole lot. You think God made a mistake when He said, let all the people know? If the crying of a baby or a buzzing of a bee drowns out everything else going on in the service, there's something wrong with that. But we read the scripture. And I put my title on this for my purposes. Gathering together to sing and shout praises to the Lord Most High. Now I know there is a time where it says that the Lord spoke with a still, small voice. But there were other times when he spoke. 
And it was as if the heavens rumbled. God knows how to get your attention. And if God tells us to do a thing, don't you think that's what we ought to do? Four thoughts. They're simple. Two who's and two how's. Who this God is that we're talking about. I'll tell you what. If somebody gets promoted to third class dog catcher, some people hoot and holler like it's big time. And then when you say the Lord is great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I got you. They don't want to be seen as a fanatic. Those same people I worked as a rent-a-cop at the Liberty Bowl and watched some folks get up there. And when the Memphis University Tigers came out to play, very few people just sat there and ho-hum, another game. Maybe we'll win. Maybe not. Big deal. No! They make a touchdown. They get excited. And then... Was it one, two, or three points they get when they kick it through? Three. Thank you, sir. What? You think they just won the Nobel Prize? You think they just saved the world? Well, they saved the game. Yeah. Okay. Saturday? Boy, they get excited. Boy, they holler and hoot and stomp their feet. And those same folks show up in church Sunday. We don't dare get excited. Somebody might get the wrong idea. You think any of those fans in the stands are afraid people are going to think that there's something goofy about them? And if you've ever done this, I mean nothing personal. I know we have a lot of hog fans here in Arkansas. But Marsha and I were at a funeral, and the preacher was the brother-in-law of the deceased. Is that right? And as he got toward the end, he says, Now, folks, uh, this wasn't my idea. He reached down and put a red cap on it. It didn't say, Make America Great Again. No, it had the biggie on it. And he said, I want everybody to stand and put up your hand. Lift up your voices. And they call the hogs. I say they, because I'm sure there are others, but I know Marcia and I were, we weren't going to make a big scene, but we did call the hogs. Not because I'm not a fan, but I just didn't think it was the right time or place. I think some people think that about church. I don't want to speak out. I don't want to shout out. Really? You're ashamed of your God? Well, uh, no, it's not like that. Well, what is it? Oh, I'm just not used to it. You know, used to has a tendency of becoming even more important to some people than thou shalt. Because they get in a routine. We've never, never done it that way before. You imagine what I've been with the apostles when Jesus, after they observed 
the Passover, he said, I got a new commandment for you. I got a new memorial for you. Imagine if Peter's, oh, we've never done this before, Lord. Uh, let, let, let's have a meeting and talk with the others and see if we can go ahead. No! You follow the Lord's lead. If the Lord is pleased to do a thing, praise God. So I'll talk a little bit about who He is because it's about the Lord. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about anybody else but the Lord Himself. God tells us to honor mothers, and so today's Mother's Day. But without the context of God, we would border on worshiping our mothers. Now, we know better than to do that, but we are to honor them like God says. So we're talking about who He is. And then we're talking about how He is. And then given who He is and how He is, who is supposed to honor him? Guess who? McDonald's ain't doing it. Disney ain't doing it. Who's supposed to do it? Who is to honor him and then how is it that they are to honor him? Who are we talking about here? Who should be our focus? The first half of verses 2 and 7. What's it say? For the Lord most high is terrible. You can talk about a political leader. You can talk about an athlete. You can talk about some writer. You can talk about some performer. All things concerned, those for preachers, anybody else. Compared to God, we are this. We are nothing. God is the one who should be our focus. First, last, and always. The Lord Most High is terrible. Uh, I wasn't worried about your milkman. I wasn't talking about some human. We're talking about the Lord Most High. And then verse 7 for God is the king of all the earth. I told you about Benjamin Franklin this morning. His daddy quoted him Proverbs 22, 29. If you see a man who's diligent in his business, he won't stand before mean men. He will stand before kings. And when he was a kid, dad would quote that to him. Yeah, right. But as he got to be an old man, he says, you know, son... My daddy told me that when I was a son, but now you're my son, and I got. Would you believe that verse is right? I stood before the king of France. I stood before the king of England. I had no clue that that would happen literally in my life, but it did. God's wiser than our comprehension. God reign. Uh, God is the king. Of all the earth. Somebody commented not long ago they saw a sign. The Lord is the king over maybe a town or a county or even a quad area. He's Lord over all the earth. You can't go where God's law does not dominate. Some people say, well, 
I left that country. I don't have to go by their laws. I don't have to follow their ways. My allegiance is not to them. But if you're a child of God, your allegiance is to God, no matter where you are, no matter what time of the day, no matter what day of the week. That's one reason why Paul tells Timothy, in season, out of season. And if you're a Christian, you're not a Christian just when you come inside the walls of this place. Yeah. Again, Sunday school helps me. We need to be reminded that we are on patrol and we are on guard. You don't want to be the person that says, or if somebody says to you after you say or do or fail to say or do something, you mean you're one of those Christians? <laughs> I never would have guessed that. If a person ever says that to me, I, I probably feel like crawling under a rock someplace. Now they might not have said it, but maybe they think it. Don't give them any reason to. Scripture says don't give people an occasion to blaspheme. Oh, yeah, you want to be one of those? God, hey, they're, they're just like we are. They just think they're better. They call themselves poor dead. They call themselves saved. And it looked to me like they've got any kind of birth, but the same kind all of us do. So we're talking about God. Focus on Him. Praising Him. That's who He is. How is He? We'll go back to verse 2 again. The second part. He is a great King over all the earth. See, some of the heathen in the Old Testament, they said, well, so-and-so is the God of the valleys, and somebody else is the God of the mountains. Our God is not limited by geography. The astronauts who have orbited the Earth, they said, one of the things we notice is there aren't lines that divide the lands. It's all one ecosystem, if you will. What affects one affects all. Maybe not politically, but environmentally. In fact, the word ecology means the law of the house. God gave us a house, and it's called planet Earth. Our first father was told, dress it, keep it. We are to be stewards of this earth. We're not to worship the earth. We're not to trash the earth. We're supposed to be wise stewards, just like when it comes to money. You don't worship money. You don't despise money. You use it for the glory of God. If you have more money than you need, and you can give it to the cause of Christ, who's stopping you? That reminds me. We have mission offering today. You remember the figure? 11.28. Now that's not $11.28, is it? No. $1,128 to be divided between these four missionaries. If we give more, praise the Lord. If we don't have it, can't give it if you don't have it. Scripture says, as the Lord has blessed you. It's a proportional thing. He doesn't say everybody has to give $1,000 a week to missions. He didn't say that. But you give as you have been blessed. It's a proportionate thing. Look at verse 5. How is our God? 
God has gone up. Was it a sneaky thing? There was a time when I believed in the secret rapture. When the Lord comes, I was told by very sincere people, people will go to bed at night and they'll wake up in the morning and, where's my husband? Or where's my wife? Where are our kids? Or where are our parents? Thousands of people disappeared without a trace. They even did pictures of cars going down the freeway. All these people going out. Nobody knows what's going on. Maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's just a hallucination. The Lord has come back. Show me where the Lord said it'll be a secret. Now he does say it come, he comes as a thief. He didn't come to steal. But we've been robbed a few times. If you've been robbed, you feel different as a result. The one time we got robbed over in Memphis, and we knew what had happened, and the police came in. I said, did you have any warning? This was a uh, no. And go, by the way, I hope you're out late tomorrow night because we're going to hit your place and take your stuff. It happens. The coming of the Lord is as a thief. But you read in the New Testament, it makes it clear. It's like, wow, the lightning that flashes from the east to the west. It's kind of hard to miss something like that. And what does it say in verse 5? God is going up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. When Andrew was practicing the trumpet, we always knew. <laughs> it's not like he was on a harp, you know. Bling, 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 bling. No, whether he's on the right note or not, you know he's playing the trumpet. It's a blast. I don't mean it's a lot of fun to serve, but it gets your attention. Also look at verse 8. God reigneth over the heathen. Sometimes Christian people, well Jesus is my Lord, but those people that aren't saved may have nothing to do with the Lord. Oh yes they do. Our God is the one in whom they live and move and have their being. The Buddhist takes his breath, maybe not consciously, but he's given breath by Jesus Christ, our Creator. So does the Muslim. So does the Sikh. So does anybody and everybody else. If they're breathing, it's because Jesus Christ. He's the one in whom we live and move and have our being. He is one before all things, and by him all things consist. That's how he operates. Nobody's ever going to ask the Lord, by the way, I had this neighbor, oh, I don't know anything about him. He knows everything about everybody, everywhere. He knows what they did. He knows what they're doing now. He knows what they're going to do. He even knows what they could do and would do, given the circumstances. 
So we're talking about who he is and how he is. Well, if we're to honor him, who? I don't mean to sound like an owl, but who is supposed to honor him? Look at the last verse, verse 9. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. Now there was a time when I rejected the idea that we were children of Abraham. I knew better. That's for the Jews. And then I kept reading my Bible. It speaks of Romans 4, where Paul was writing to probably more Gentiles than Jews, Abraham, our father. See, we're part of the Israel of God. And that rubs some people the wrong way. They don't like to think that maybe Israel is a reference to anything but a biological people. Well, in a sense it is. Those of us who have been born again, we're children of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. And then the last, how. How are we to honor him? Well, you saw verse 1. It might get some people off their high horse. It might rock some people right out of the pews. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Not because somebody told you a joke or somebody scored a touchdown or something like that. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We don't have a loser God. Amen. You might have a loser attitude. Get over that. We shout to God with a voice of triumph. You know, I have a lot of friends who like to say, if I ever get down, just read the book of Revelation because it tells me how it's all going to come out. Well, the one who's already told us how it's going to come out is with you. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think he means it when he says that, don't you? Verse 6, sing praises to God. Sing praises. That doesn't mean bad deal on the back. Make sure God is glorified. Sing ye praises with understanding. Paul says, I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. When you sing, you want to make sure you have the right heart, but also the right mind. It helps to have the right words. Don't get up, oh God, I praise you because you, uh oh, got to fill the words with something. You have nothing else because you're you. Who you are and what you've done. You're not going to run out if you're paying attention to what God is doing. How do we honor Him? Sing praises on our King. Sing praises. And then as I said in uh, verse 7, again it says, Sing ye praises with understanding. Now I don't fully understand that, and you probably don't either. But even if we did, we're not off the hook. Praise God and do it with understanding. I want somebody to show me where it says, Whisper your praises to God. You ever read that? You read that in your Bible and think you got the wrong Bible. It's not consistent with what it says here. Now, this isn't the only song that addresses this. I want us to give you two to close. We already looked at Psalm 35. That was a few weeks ago. 
But the last two verses, 27 and 28 of Psalm 35, it doesn't say, be mealy-mouthed about it. It doesn't say, be careful you don't upset anybody's apple cart. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Oh, I'm glad they won that game. I'm glad they accomplished such and such. I'm glad about this. I'm glad about that. Aren't you glad about the Lord? Well, you know, Marcia knows of whom I'm thinking. <coughs> there was a certain person. Happened to be a lady, but men are just bad gossips as women. Sometimes worse. And uh, I was around her. Did you hear the latest? What? Christ died for sinners. Oh, oh. Yeah, that, that's so. I think she was a little disappointed. We want to make sure that the thing that tops the list, our priorities, is the Lord. Let them shout for joy and be glad. They favor my righteous cause. God is good all the time. And when He has a cause, don't be shy about it. I tell people, I was born shy, but it wore off quick. But you can't be shy about the things of God. We, I think it was in Sunday school again, we, we referred to Joshua. He said, you choose who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, well, that's our business. No, we will serve the Lord. I want to be like Daniel who had a purpose to honor God. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise for about 45 minutes on Sunday morning, if I go, if I feel like it. That's what some people read. Now, all the day long, if somebody calls you Tuesday, and they say, praise the Lord. Isn't he great? I always hey, I don't get in that mode till Sunday morning, right before I walk in the door. And then as soon as I'm out the door, I lose it. I've had people say, well, I have to live in the real world. The real world is God's world. Amen. By the way, there's no rule that says only the pastor's wife can say amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, okay. We're getting there. Close with Psalm 96. Wouldn't it be great if somebody put this to music, Marcia? <laughs> Psalm 96, 11 through 13. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. You know what? He's coming. He's got some business. He's got something he's going to take care of. He's promised in his word what he's going to do. We just haven't experienced it yet. We see it and walk by faith, not by sight. But God's going to do what God has said He's going to do. 
take his word for it. He's not pulling anybody's leg. He cometh to judge the earth. <clears throat> and some people say, oh, I don't have anything to be concerned about. <clears throat> really? The God who knows your thoughts before you think them? The God who hears your words before you speak them? The one who sees your actions and knows your attitudes before you do or even feel those things? Gulp. Yeah, I still need the Lord. And so do you. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Somebody can lie about you and you can't keep people from lying about you. The best thing to do is live such a way that if they do lie about you, nobody's going to believe it. 